0: everyone, welcome to the DevBright Podcast, a podcast about engineering and technology at BrightCore. We're your hosts, Ben Hayden and Grant McConaughey. And today we have Wes St. Clair, the engineering manager for our policies crew at BrightCore, and he has been in the insurance tech industry for quite some time. How, how long, Wes?
1: Hey, thanks everybody. Um, about 20, over 20 years, I guess. Uh, I mean, Probably could call it. I have to do math. Uh, Twenty twenty-two years.
2: That's the worst part about engineering: is the math. So Wes, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your background in both the software development world and uh, and the insurance world.
1: Sure. So software development-wise, it's it's kind of always been in my blood. I uh, taught myself programming on. The Apple E computer, if anybody knows what those are. Um, mm-hmm. Old green screen devices. Uh, my dad was a teacher and had those at school. And one summer, he brought an Apple IIe home from school and a basic programming book. And I kind of really took to it. So um, so yeah, before I was even a teenager or whatever, I was like coding these really terrible side-scrolling games in basic. <laughs> um, nice. But it's fun. But I just enjoyed it. So, I've I've uh, always been in software. know, ever since then, I've been in software in some way or another. Um, went to um, our local community college, had a really good computer programming degree, um, which I liked a lot. It was super inexpensive, and then you were basically guaranteed a job right out of college. So, um, Iowa is a big. I grew up, born and raised in Iowa. I was a big insurance hub, and at the time. Insurance was not something that excited me at all. So I really just wanted to do anything but insurance. And there's a big company called CSC that probably everybody's heard of. Just kind of a big conglomerate company. But CSC stands for Computer Sciences Corporation. And just the name alone got me excited. It's like, yeah, Computer Sciences Corporation. That's the job I want.
0: They they all wear white coats for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So that is the the job I took out of college, and you yeah, know I was super stoked to be doing something that's not insurance. Turns out that was the financial services division that I took a job with, and unbeknownst to me, it was insurance. So I ended up in but gotcha. started out yeah started out <laughs> in uh, you know light in life insurance for a couple of years, and then uh, took a job at a property casualty insurance company. Was there for 19 years through a variety of different roles, and then been here at Brightcore uh, right at about a year.
2: So you've been in when, in, when you were working in software, you've been in the insurance industry from the beginning of your career.
1: So from the beginning of my career, I've done nothing but insurance
0: of some sort. Even the basic games had an insurance theme, for sure. Yeah. Got, to, got to chase them limits and deductibles.
2: <laughs> um, so Wes, having worked in the insurance industry uh, since the beginning of your career, what kind of trends have you noticed in, uh, in both software and, and the insurance software industry in particular?
1: Sure. I mean, I, you you have to realize I, when I started in insurance, it was all, it was all mainframes. So I, I was a mainframe COBOL programmer for a few years, um, at the beginning of my career with the, the green screen CICS systems that, you know, Everybody hates because they're super ugly or whatever, but they're also wicked fast. Um, that's that's one thing that I don't think gets appreciated is how quickly data processors can move in those systems compared sure. to our modern web-based systems. Now, are fast enough, but there's definitely that latency there. Like you can't be like looking to the side and just you know flying on your keyboard and processing policies, you know, multiple policies a minute, um, the way you could back on the old mainframe systems. But that's where I started. And really that's that was pretty stagnant for a long time. Um, I don't know. I think you know, at the time I started the internet was just <laughs> catching on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and even then, I mean I, I remember when I started my first job like everybody's was excited because they had email now. Like email was a pretty new thing. Yeah. When I when I this. started there. This yeah, is nuts,
2: man. Ironically we've gone full circle and email's not a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I'm
0: definitely a child of the internet, so it is it is hard to fathom. Yeah. See and
1: I'm I'm right at the dividing line. The internet I didn't really use. We had and when I was in high school, there was a little bit of connectivity with my high school. Like I remember the uh there's one kid in my class that downloaded the entire anarchist cookbook and printed it out on one of those dot matrix printers. So it's like this, these, this giant stack of dot matrix printed the anarchist cookbook. I mean, that's, so that was the love of the internet. It was like, sure. If you wanted that to take home, you couldn't just pull it up at home. Like you had to print it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Where was
0: I? I don't know. Um, trends. Trends. Yeah. So the internet it, came it, around big trend. It, it,
1: it, it was stagnant, you know, and then people started just internal communication and external communication, communication with agents, you know, a lot via email. And that was huge. But the systems didn't actually change. The systems were still mainframe systems, fax machines, paper. And and that was it. That was your, your official communication. And there was a lot of debate. Uh, this would have been at my third job out of college, um, there was one job I was at for just a very short amount of time, um, that doesn't really count. Um, so the, the last job, whereas where I was at for like 19 years, um, there was quite a bit of internal debate whether or not the internet should even be adopted, which is funny in retrospect because (laughs) you have to, but eventually the pro internet gang won out and they started building, built their first internet system. And it was this absolute game changer, like this idea that you could have your agents key data from their office using just their web browser. And that could automatically feed into your backend systems. All the backend systems were still just COBOL. Yeah. We would write interfaces basically to take the data from what the, what was entered on the website and push it into the backend COBOL system. But just the idea, I mean, it's just a huge game changer, just like made everything so much easier. So then of course our company and around the same time, every other insurance company in the world really went all in on the internet. And that was huge. That was like the first big thing was data entry on the internet. Um, There were always information exchange was really, really important as well. So the ability to pull reports um, about a risk and the ability to contribute to these big reporting databases, and also the ability to download policy information to your agents. All of that stuff just improved. Sort of automatically, it existed before the internet, but it was all through like uh, phone lines, the VPNs, and like all these these like dedicated this dedicated hardware and these dedicated hard lines that you had to use in order to do all this information exchange and the internet improved all that obviously, because now you can just exchange internet information over the internet. You don't have to have dedicated
0: pieces of <laughs> you know, metal. You didn't need to run place. the internet to have the internet as well. Exactly. Exactly. Fair enough.
1: So that's where I feel like, you know, I, you're reflecting on how fast data entry was compared to now, like, well, it really had to be very, very fast because there was so much more data to enter. The trend is really not entering data at all and having that happen automatically through, whether it's through third-party reports, through um, business intelligence, uh, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: You're speaking, like, for, for agents not to put the info in anymore and rely on third parties whose sole job is that?
1: yes where where you you want to learn as much as possible about a person or a risk with as little information as possible sure so now the agents have the ability now for some systems to basically just enter a person's phone number and then that just branches out and just starts hitting this web of these interconnected services to pull as much information about them as possible and you know, sometimes that is all you need in order to be able to derive a quote
0: for that person. Yeah. Absolutely not the dark web, though, I'm sure.
1: I should hope not. Yeah. Maybe someday.
0: Yeah. Well, they'll find out what you did to your toaster back in the 80s. <laughs> the, uh, I know that, um, it's a very different story than, you know, Brightcore. Whenever, uh, whenever it started, it was always going to be web based, right? Like it, it there wasn't a migration path there it was there is the internet what are you going to use to build on it so i think our biggest thing was choosing over rails or django and we did neither and wrote our own on top of mod python actually uh and it was it was cool i uh i wrote lots of things that i probably shouldn't have templating languages and all sorts of stuff but you know it's uh web-based has always been a, a a virtue of brightcore and i think that um i definitely see that trend about whatever you can get uh information wise on a quote or on a policy that is not requiring your agents to pull in is is huge um and i think a integration integration heavy future makes a lot of sense where everything's just kind of connecting to everything else and it's all interconnected, and we all kind of have our our part to play in that.
2: Yeah, I think there's something to be said for skipping over, uh, you know, technology like Django or Rails 10, 11, or 12 years ago, back when, you know, back when we're on, we're on Django 0.96. Right. Because um, yep. you never know if, if that's even going to be around in the future. Now that both of those have proven that they, you know, they have a lasting impact and they're they're kind of battle tested, I think it's it's obvious that those are good picks at the, at this point. Um, right. Wes, where have you seen trends? Um, you know, you mentioned the internet. That was one of those trends that actually took off and uh, became useful. Are there any that you've seen that seemed useful or seemed like they were going to take off and never really did? Any sort of languages or frameworks or or ideas that the world all seemed uh, really excited about, and then years later, were just gone.
1: You know, I'm not I'm not sure. I, I'm watching tentatively. Um, blockchain. That's something that used to just get talked about so much at insurance conferences, and I don't hear it being discussed nearly as much now. Um, I still think I mean I, I know there are like entire companies spun up around blockchain technology in the insurance industry. Sure. I it felt when it first, you know, really became very buzzwordy on the on the conference circuit, it felt like if you don't adopt blockchain within the next two years, like your company's gonna die and you'll never be able to catch up and it's the end of the world. And that's certainly has not been the case. Um, and it felt very much like a, a solution looking for a problem in insurance. So that's one. And I'm not saying that it won't be very, very valuable in some ways, but it, it definitely felt like everybody, it's not a cure-all. right? And it was yeah. like, or, or it's almost like a requirement, like, okay, your tech, your tech stack must include immutable ledgers right now, or, or you're done. Um. So so that's that's one trend for sure that I'm just kind of watching. As far as trends let me think about this just a minute.
0: I meant another one that went that did stick around is is the um the culture of DevOps and, and really starting to have engineers own the deployment process and Work to get software out faster, um, i I imagine that had impact on staffing throughout history, as well like who you recruit, what skills you look for in engineers
1: yeah, for sure, and even the the, the idea that an engineer can even do that, you know I would say there's a right. large number of insurance companies that are still running their own hardware in their own basement, right they they haven't even adopted um you know aws or google, you know google cloud platform or anything like that like they they are still doing all their own stuff and actually my my at the time I left my last job I mean for their insurance operations they were still very much that way like you know they had their people they had their their um their hardware they built a new building and you know dedicated that space in the new building to be able to run run the server racks and and all of that um you know a bunker 60 miles north of sure. town that they rented out for, you know, disaster recovery. I mean, just, just kind of a, just a very different way of thinking about it, but they very much wanted they you know, they felt a lot of value in having control of that, being able to say, we are not reliant on Amazon. We are not reliant on, you know, anybody else. We sure. can, we, we can do this all ourselves. So, I mean, I think. I think still the trend towards going completely cloud-based um, in you know, dedicated server farms you know, and basically platform as a service is going to win out in the long run. I think it's just going to become too expensive for anybody to maintain that themselves. And I think it's going to be really hard to find the type of expertise you need in people to be able to continue to do something like that.
0: Yeah, I agree that it's a whole different staffing it's a whole different set of skills, uh, being able to go into a server closet or room and know what you're doing, know how to replace the hard drive, check the temperatures on the servers, do all that, bring your power tools, all that stuff.
1: And I think it's something, too, is like once you are a developer that knows that you can, with a small script or a push of a button, spin up a machine to do what you needed to do coming from a world where it like took weeks to requisition or you know basically have a machine provisioned for you or to actually have somebody build a server in some cases i mean that's you know when i started when i switched to a new department where okay for this department we need to spin up our first web application i mean that was part of what i did was put together the server I mean, like actually Yo, getting the hardware my hand. built and in place, you had to do that. So <laughs> once you know you no longer have to live in that world and you can just spin things up on AWS, which all new developers know this, then I think it's very, very challenging to staff people that want to live in that old world where yeah. they can't just, they can't get the resources they need at the drop of a hat.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, what? Let's pivot. Uh, what works? well cut that. What makes working in insurance software different from other software industries?
1: Insurance is really, really hard. It I would is, agree. So the hardest thing about insurance is the just the level of complexity is so is so layered and so large. Um, and it is such a date driven. Yes. industry where you know dates just matter a lot, history matters a lot, and keeping track of everything is is really really challenging. So I compare it to the complexity of what you have to do in insurance versus a very successful company like something like say Trello, which is not, I don't want to say just a kanban board, but it's just a kanban board, you know. <laughs> you know, and that <laughs> that piece of you know that piece of software it's an excellent piece of software and, and I'm you know I'm sure it has its its own challenges lie more in scale managing scale you know having sure
0: and being truly excellent i like, guess yeah
1: so insurance industry is, a, is you have a lot less of a scale problem from a number of users standpoint but just way way more complexity to deal with
2: yeah, yep. I often look at systems like Trello and just feel a little tinge of jealousy for not having to keep track of every way that the Trello board has ever existed and every card that has ever been in any lane. You just move things around, and that's the way it is now. Yeah, um, you uh, know, it, it's. I, I, a,
0: it, I think all of us have worked on rating Engines as the, at this point, and we <laughs> we all know there are easier things than that, for sure.
1: Um project management is much harder in the insurance industry I think than in a lot of industries because it is so date driven so you have your customers your clients your your insurance carriers they have to know dates and we all want to work in the this agile wonderland where right. know, we don't yeah we don't publish dates you know like Amazon's big thing and you know, they don't publish dates it's like but the people that rely on your software have obligations um to their, their, um, you know, government controlled oversight (laughs) entity, um, where they have to tell them what date that this is going to change with their insurance policies. So it just creates this whole, this whole chain of like, okay, they have to know when this is going to be done. Then as you know, as a project manager and as the developers, okay, we have to try to, you know, we have to be able to commit to this date and it's really hard. And then if you miss that date, you know, the impact is not just a disappointed client. The impact is a disappointed client that now has to go back and like refile rates or, you know, possibly incur a fine because they didn't get this done in time. So there's a lot of things like that in insurance. That I don't feel like you get hit quite as hard by in probably other industries.
2: All right. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, Wes. Um, we really appreciate your, your insights into uh, software and especially in the insurance industry, which has its own set of challenges um could you tell us your twitter handle if people want to follow you see what you're up to if you can spell it
0: um
2: (laughs) if you can spell it i had trouble last time yeah
1: so i actually am on twitter i'm not super active on twitter aside from just stalking some random folks but uh uh my twitter handle is handle is just my name so wes underscore st Clair, w-e-s underscore s-t-c-l-a-i-r and that's
0: it nice well done he was the first
2: try wow <laughs> impressive so how about you ben
0: yeah you can follow me at Day B hayden d-e-y-b-h-a-y-d-e-n you can see my pictures of my video game characters
2: very nice and you can follow me on twitter at g mcconaughey and you can spell that yourself you can i, mean, I-, I trust you all i trust yeah. you dear listeners well done um and that is it for dev bright this week thank you and we'll speak to you in a few weeks